5 will be our text this Wednesday. We are having a time going through Revelation. Boy, it's been something. So you come Wednesday night. That's our last Wednesday night this year because of two Thursday night specials, Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve. So uh, next Wednesday is it. We'll be in here. There's no tree after tomorrow night until Friday night, so we get to have our normal Wednesday night. Not that I needed another thing to do, but I'm excited about it and uh, looking forward to sharing the fifth chapter of Revelation with you on Wednesday night. Notes will be available when you come in. And prayer meeting every morning this week, Monday to Friday at 6. We've had about 60 people regularly all week. It's been wonderful as we've prayed for the coming revival with Michael French in January and the singing Christmas tree and the needs of people. Join me for, uh, 6 a.m. Monday to Friday this week, special times of prayer. Appreciate your faithfulness. Well, three Christmas messages. Try to make them all different so I don't say the same thing three Sundays in a row. And uh, there's enough material in the Bible to do that. It's just that I'm not sure if I'm smart enough to do it. But I'm trying. I've got a whole file of Christmas messages. And I never like to preach the same one. I always want to find a different twist if I can and a different thrust, and I think I found one today, making God touchable. Christmas is such an exciting time. Wonderful things happen. You hear all kinds of stories unfolding. One of my favorites is a, a little fellow went home from Sunday school with his drawing of Christmas. His teacher said, draw the Christmas story. And so he took his paper proudly home, and mother looked at it and said, well, I see this is Joseph, and I see Mary there, and I see the baby Jesus in the cradle, but who is this big fat man standing in the background? And little Johnny said, well, Mama, don't you know that's round John Virgin? <laughs> so not everybody's understanding of Christmas comes out right. So it's my responsibility to try to put it all into context and make it fit. And that's not always easy, but I'm sure going to try. I can just hear that story going all over the city this week now with office parties and everything like that. Go ahead. Don't even give me credit. Just use it whatever way you'd like. It was Christmas that made God touchable. Did you ever think about that? That's the event that made God touchable and reachable. John, who wrote these words for us in the first chapter of the Gospel of John, also in the first epistle and the first chapter of that book, 1 John, said, that which our hands have handled. That's a key little line. So he was filled with this great truth. He couldn't get over it. That which our hands have handled. And here in John 1, the word became it's really translated touchable. The word became flesh. The word became touchable. It's wonderful, isn't it, when you've been away from somebody for a period of time to actually get in their presence and touch them. I remember in Bible college when I was engaged to be married to Mary Ann, and she went home, got a job in a bank, awaiting our wedding while I completed studies for the year, and man, were those horribly lonely days and weeks. 
And I'll tell you, it was a lot more exciting when I got to Monroe, Wisconsin and could literally touch her and put my arms around her rather than writing letters or making phone calls. Jesus became touchable is what John is trying to get us to comprehend. Now, why? Well, if you know anything of the Old Testament, you know that God became kind of aloof and untouchable to the average person. Oh, sure, the high priest could go in once a year and offer sacrifice for the sins of the people, but that was once a year. Oh, yes, Moses on Mount Sinai heard God's voice, but that was just one man. And it was with thunderings and lightnings and smoke. Then, of course, anybody who writes about the Bible talks about the shadows and the types of the Old Testament. And who likes shadows and types? We like the real thing. He spoke through clouds and fire and all kinds of mysterious things. His presence literally resided in the tabernacle or the Ark of the Covenant. But he wasn't touchable. And it was brought about by man's rebellion in the Garden of Eden. At that point, man and God became separated. And the Old Testament was, was, was a series of those types and shadows that would help us to understand it when he came at Christmas. And I just, I am just literally filled up with the message of Christmas. Because it's what made God available to me. It's what made God personal to me. He's not smoke or fire to me. He is a living person in my life. He is my best friend. He is my mediator, my redeemer. He's the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star, the fairest of the fair. He is God to me, and He is available to me every hour of every day of my life. He is now with us. Flesh, touchable, is Jesus Christ now. Isaiah said it this way, Emmanuel, God with us. That's it. Now, there are two statements in John 1 that will constitute my outline. One is in verse 14, which I have already mentioned. The Word became touchable and dwelled among us. And that says to me that he got down on our level. If you want an outline, number one, he got down on our level. The second is in verse 16, and I've never heard anybody preach about this in connection with Christmas. And of his fullness, we have all received. The fullness of God was manifest in Christ. And we're going to talk about that finally. First, he got down on our level. 
One of the commentators writing about that word dwelt, and he dwelt among us, made a wonderful statement. He said, God meeting us at our point of need is what this word means. God meeting us at our point of need. He dwelt among us. Now, there are many needs represented here, as we've already said today. But what we need to grasp, what we need to take with us from church is that God has the ability to meet us at our point of need, whoever we are, from whence we have come. It doesn't matter. God has a way of meeting us at our point of need through Jesus Christ, whom he sent to become touchable. Dwell among us. Sam Shoemaker, you may have never heard of, but he was a famous pastor years ago of the Calvary Episcopal Church in New York City. And Sam Shoemaker, of all the people I've read of, or read from, had a way of making the Christmas story come alive in a very simple way, the way he put words together and could paint pictures of the Christmas story. It is really remarkable. And I have lifted out of some of his writings some paragraphs for you today and illustrations from this great, preacher of yesterday. One time, in talking to his congregation, he suggested that God looked down from heaven and saw men messing up everything, so he called Jesus over and he said, I want you to go down to earth and help those people straighten things out. They're confused, mixed up, and having a terrible time. They need guidance. Just simple conversation between God and Jesus. I, I like the look of that. The feel of that is right. He used this analogy. God is like a father who gives an erector set or some other kind of mechanical toy to his son. It's under the tree on Christmas morning. The boy reads the directions, but there is nothing so dull as directions. So the father gets down on the floor and helps his son. What a picture. How many know what an erector set is anyway? What kind of an audience do I have? Anybody remember a rector? Boy, that was the epic of gifts when I was a kid. Never did get one. Go ahead, feel sorry for me. But it was the epic of gifts, an erector set. And we're all kind of the same when it comes to directions. They're miserable. I don't know who writes those things. It's easier to just put them aside and look at everything and say, this looks like it ought to go here, this here. And it's amazing what you could do when you stop looking at the direction. And here we've got to do it in the next little bit, don't we? To get everything together. I don't know why they couldn't put it all together in advance. Comes in these boxes, all kinds of stuff. Sometimes there's a little thing missing that messes the whole thing up. You got to Go miles to get one little nut or screw or something to make it work. Oh, what a wonderful time of the year it is. <laughs> but here's this father, and I can see this happening. Here's this boy down there on the floor. He's got all these things, and here are these directions, and he's just so put out with those directions. Can't figure out how to get this thing together right. So he gets down on the floor with his boy, and he starts working with his understanding, and he gets the thing 
together and the boy begins to see how it works and a smile breaks out on his face and he as much as says, oh, that's how, it isn't all that difficult, is it? Now I can see it. That's what God did when he sent Jesus down here. He said, just look at him and you'll figure it out. He's the direction you need. It's not all that difficult. He is touchable through Jesus Christ. What a picture that is of what this text says. Then he said, man had his directions, but he was all mixed up about them. So when Jesus Christ got God got down from heaven onto the floor of the world and showed his children how to get the knack of living. In other words, God said, look, I've established certain laws. If you don't work these laws, you're going to mess things up. So here's the way you do it. And then Shoemaker said, have you ever stopped to wonder what God may have said to Jesus the night before he came down to earth? Well, I never did think about that. Sam made me think about it. When a boy leaves home, his father is likely to say something very sentimental to him. So perhaps as Jesus was ready to leave the doors of heaven, his father came and put his arms around him and said, when you get down to earth, son, just tell those poor souls that I send my love to them, that I'm so sorry to see them getting hurt and messing things up the way they are. Tell them that no matter how they act, I love them and I long for them to come back to me. That's the way Sam Shoemaker looked at Christmas. I don't think I've ever seen it pictured better. He got down on our level. He got right down to where we are, day by day, with flesh, bone, muscle, sinew, blood, coursing through his veins. He was the God-man. And a preacher and I were talking this week about, think of Jesus Christ in the, mother, in the womb of Mary, his mother, for nine months in the pitch darkness of his mother's womb as a fetus. And we were saying, what was going on with Jesus for nine months? And it's incredible. The Son of God in that little package in Mary's womb, waiting to be born when he had been in heaven with God. I can't even take it in. It's just too much for me. But he left everything to be a fetus, to be in that awkward position, drawing nourishment from Mary, waiting to be born. A man-child he was. Not a God child, a man child. With everything we had need of, he had need of in that womb. He survived by a human being called Mary. And then he was born and needed Joseph as his earthly father to guide him and help him through those critical years. But he never sinned. He never sinned. There was no sin found in him. He obeyed the Father perfectly. Why? So we could touch God. Only one person could bridge the gap for us between the Old and the New Testament, between the tabernacle and the ark. Only Jesus could do it. 
And he said, Father, I'm willing. Send me down there. I'm willing to shut it all off for nine months in a woman's womb. If that's what you want, I will be a fetus in her body. And you're having a hard time trusting him when he could do that. And when he was willing to do that so that you might be redeemed and you might have God's presence on a daily basis, friend, wake up. He's real. There's nothing he cannot accomplish. Nothing he cannot do. He got down on our level. Went through the same things I went through to get here. And more. And I might have a relationship with Almighty God. He put the erector set together for me. And I'm so blessed. He'll do it for you. He became flesh and became touchable. Now look at verse 16 where he says and of his fullness we have all received. He gave us his fullness. Now, I think that's what Paul Harvey would call the rest of the story. You see, so many folk are on just a surface level with this thing of Christmas, but it really says to us that we have everything that God ever gave to Jesus if we trust him. Maybe that's why Jesus said before he left, these same things you can do, you will do. If you have faith in me, you see, everything God gave to Jesus, he'll give to us. His fullness, John says, we have all received, but we don't live like it. And I think the reason we don't live like it is because we don't understand it. We don't think about it. But I'm here to tell you, every one of you who has named the name of Christ as your Savior has the fullness of God. You have received his fullness through Christ. Now start living like it. Stop being defeated. Stop being pushed around. Stop being a victim. Be a victor. And of his fullness we have all received. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow was filled with sorrow at the tragic death of his wife in a fire in 1861. The Civil War broke out that same year, and it seemed to him that it was an additional punishment. And then two years later, he was saddened again by the news that his own son had been seriously wounded as a lieutenant in the Army of the Potomac. And here he was reeling with the death of his wife, the Civil War, the wounding of his own son. And it was Christmas Day, and he sat down at his desk, and as he sat down, foreboding, he heard the church bells ring in the distance. And as he sat there, he wrote, I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play. And wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill toward men. And he wrote another verse as the bells continued to toll. And in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. 
hope was being born in him and he found his pen moving for a third verse. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail. With peace on earth, good will to men. He was healed. When he finished the third verse, he had it. The devil is not going to prevail. The wrong will fail. The right prevail. In his person there is absolute fullness. No defeat in him. No loss. None at all. When they tried to bury him in a grave, he pushed the stone away anyway and came out alive. Victorious conqueror. Victor. Rise up, O church of God. We have his fullness. Once we've discovered he's on our level as a man, let's move into the next dimension. He's God. And with God at your side, there's nothing you cannot accomplish. There's no mountain you can't climb, no river you cannot forge, no problem you cannot solve. Pick it to pieces with God's help. Find the solution. Because you have his fullness. If you have him. Some have never really gotten close to Jesus to feel that. That's the problem. And that's part of the ministry that this church thrusts out weekly is to get you close enough to him that you might know he's real and that he does touch people. He lifts people's burdens. And that the fact you're here today may be part of God's miraculous way of solving your problem and meeting your need. You don't even know how it is you happen to come. You weren't making plans that way, but... You're here. Well, it may be like a fellow whose name you might recognize, Ira Sankey, the great soloist and song leader for Dwight L. Moody back in the 1800s. Sankey was well known for the work that he did with Dwight L. Moody. And one day on a little vacation, he was going down the Delaware River in a steamboat with a group of people, quite a large group of people, and suddenly they discovered who was with them, that the great Sankey was in their group, and they asked him to sing on the steamboat. So he stood, and he was going to sing a Christmas carol because it was near this time of the year. And as he stood to his feet, the Spirit of God said, No, don't sing a Christmas carol. Sing, Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. He thought it was a little strange, but he had learned to obey the promptings of the Spirit. So he sang to all those on the steamboat, Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. The crowd dispersed, and one man lingered, came up to Mr. Sankey and said, Sir, you don't know me, but I'd like to ask you a question. Were you in the Civil War? Mr. Sankey said, Yes, I was. I enrolled in the Union Army in 1860. I fought in the Union Army. 
The man said, I also was in the Civil War, only I fought on the other side. I was in the Confederacy. Can I ask you another question? Sankey said, yes. He said, in the winter of 1862, were you standing sentry duty one night at a certain place? And Sankey said, yes, I was. And then he said, that night, I came slipping through the brush and I saw you standing sentry guard there in the moonlight. I knelt beside a tree and lifted my rifle and pulled out the hammer. I set my sights on your heart and said to myself, there's a Yankee, he'll never make it home. As I took aim and began to pull the trigger, you lifted your face toward heaven and began to sing just like you did tonight, Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. He said, I put my rifle down, knelt there, and listened to you sing. As you sang, I remembered my mother. She used to sing that song to us when we were little children. I remembered Mama used to take us to camp meetings, and we'd all sing, Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. That night, God began to convict my heart. I slipped off into the night, Mr. Sankey, through the brush, and let you live. That night has haunted me all of these years. I could never get it off my mind. That night, God's power touched me, Mr. Sankey. I've never gotten forgiveness for my sins. Could you help me? Now, who put that together? And in a flash, Mr. Sankey led that man to Jesus. Brightness broke out over his face. The burden lifted that he had carried for years. Almighty God caused him to hear a song years before with a rifle in his hand about to take a man's life. Savior like a shepherd lead us. And now on a little vacation trip down the Delaware River. Here was this same man. Could you imagine that man's feeling as he sat there listening to this man sing, Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. And he recognized the voice. And he had to ask him, were you on sentry duty in 1862 at a certain place? Yes, sir, I was. I don't know how you got here. I don't know what you're going through. But I know there's a God in heaven who put a baby in a mother's womb and who told Joseph to call his name Jesus, and I know this, that in him all the fullness of the Godhead dwells. And I know this, that if you'll open your heart to him, you'll not only have a ticket to heaven, you'll have a pass through this life that will help you be more than a conqueror. You'll be a champion. You'll be a success. God will live in you. People will be attracted to you. Because they're always attracted to hope. They're always attracted to joy. They're always attracted to peace. Which are the three great ingredients that Christmas brings to us when we truly meet the Christ of Christmas. God became touchable at Christmas. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us and the Word became touchable. Hallelujah!
have hope. I have a sense of destiny in this moment. Some of you have come to the crossroads and this simple message about Christmas is gripping your heart because the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. And for once in your life, you're going to see more than tinsel. You're going to see more than lights. You're going to see more than trees. You're going to see Jesus. And through Jesus, you're going to meet God who loves to touch us, to mend us, to heal us, to put us on our feet, send us somewhere worthwhile, even if it's Las Vegas. He'll send us somewhere where he can use us for his glory. Hallelujah. Please stand with me, please, throughout the auditorium. Bow your heads as we stand. In reverence to Jesus, please, nobody leaving until we've concluded. As his presence broods over us, Lord, we heard sung this morning that unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. We emphasize that word us, unto us, all of us here. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Unto my friend back there in the back row and way up there in the balcony and on every side, unto us, every one of my friends here, unto us, a son is given. Hallelujah. Salvation has come. Fullness is ours. Oh, God. Oh, make it real by the Spirit. Lift people up. Put a song in their heart. Put a skip in their step. Whatever mountain they're climbing, give them strength to get to the top. Whatever river they're forging, give them the strength to get across. May they, may they ride the current of Christmas into the presence of God and find there enough for today and for eternity. Glory to God. Oh, friends, Jesus is in this place. Jesus is in this room. He's ordered that we would be together like this. With our heads bowed, how many of you would say, Pastor Cole, I've never walked through the door of salvation. I know it's a door that's available to me because Jesus came to provide it. But I've never walked through that door. Honestly, I don't think I'm ready to meet God. Should this be my last day on earth? I'd like you to pray for me, sir, that Christ would enter my life and I would walk through that door of salvation. Wherever you stand, would you raise your hand as high as you can so I can see it? I want to pray for you. I want to walk through that door of salvation. I want to come to Jesus, who alone forgives sin. Thank you. Here on my right, and way back over in the corner on my right, and right here in the front row, God bless you. And back to my left, on that side, and over here in the left middle section, God bless you. Upstairs, yes, thank you. I see your hand up there. Praise God. Anyone else? Just slip it up. Hold it till I see it. Then you can put it down. I need Jesus. Yes, sir. God bless you back there. 
You felt the touch of heaven today a bit. Walk through that door. Thank you, sir. I see your hand. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Praise God. Staff members, would you line up here? Because of this trench here, I can't get down there like I'd like to, but I'd like to ask those of you who have raised your hand to just slip out from where you are. I want you to come down, stand right here in front so I can pray close by, and there will be somebody here to receive you and be with you. And then we have some material we want to give you. Would you just start coming? You raised your hands. I saw Billy Graham the other night in Moscow. Thousands of people streamed out onto that field. What a joy to stand for Jesus and not be ashamed just to step out and come. God bless you, young men. God bless you, sir. God bless you. God bless you over here. Thank God for these. Don't hesitate. We're not going to embarrass you. We just want you up close so we can touch you and talk to you and pray with you and give you material before we leave this building. Whatever you need, Jesus is available. God is touchable. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Now, how many of you would say, Pastor, I'm kind of in the second group. I have walked through that door, but I'm not experiencing the fullness. Well, I just got to have more of him, and I want to open my heart to him at this Christmas time. Would you just lift your hand? You know that God's doing something in your life special. Oh, yes, all over the auditorium. Let's just pray to him. Father, what a beautiful service on this December Sunday. What a wonderful thing that people took time out of all the busyness to come and honor you in the house of God. Bless them for doing it. These that have come forward, enter their hearts. Blot out every sin and iniquity. Be their Savior from this day forward. And those who have raised their hands saying, I need more of him. His fullness I desire. Oh, baptize them in the Holy Ghost and fire. Fill them with your power, Lord. And give us the stamina to run the race in a way that will be acceptable to you. We love you for it, Jesus. We thank you for it, Lord. I want us to sing, He's all I need. Jesus is all that I need. Let's sing it with our hands raised. Let the Spirit of God do something special before we go in all of us. And if you need to come forward for prayer, you feel free to do it even as we sing now together.